Okay, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And he says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguile Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach your word, and I realize that without you I can do nothing. God, I pray that you'd help me to say what needs to be said, refrain from saying anything that I oughtn't to say, set a guard before my mouth, God, and just use this unworthy vessel for your glory. Lord, teach us the truth that we need to know tonight and refresh us in the Lord. I pray you'd meet the need of every heart tonight, and we'll praise you even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I want to speak on this subject of jealousy. Uh, this thought first came to my mind last year uh, during deer season. <laughs> and uh, I'd been out hunting, and best I remember, I think I'd, I'd killed a deer. It did have horns if you look closely. Uh, and uh, Greg came and... Uh, uh, he had a, a nice seven-point deer in the back of his, uh, his vehicle there, and it made my deer look pitiful. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, of course, I, you know, I wasn't jealous of his deer. I just, uh, I'd like to have met his brother. <laughs> well, it wasn't a few days later, or maybe two or three days, he came back with his brother. And uh, so that knocked that in the head. <laughs> and uh, then Mr. Thomason, you know, I went again, didn't see nothing, and he killed a real nice one. And this thought came to me, and uh, that's one kind of jealousy. <laughs> that's not a very good kind. Uh, and, uh, but the jealousy that Paul is talking about here is, is a good kind of jealousy. And he said, uh, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. And uh, over these young converts. And uh, we like to talk about this godly jealousy for a little while. Uh, being godly jealousy, that indicates that God undoubtedly himself must be jealous. So there is a right kind uh, of jealousy uh, that even the Creator... Uh, has. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20, he talks there, Thy shall not make unto thee any graven image. And he tells us why, in verse 5, uh, that he is a jealous God. That's the first mention in the Bible that I could find, according to the concordance, where he says God uh, is a jealous God. 
and he is not willing to share his glory with graven images. And of course the Catholic Church, they, uh, they don't have that in their list of Ten Commandments. If you read their literature, uh, many years ago we had a Catholic girl saved, and I was pastor and maiden, and she brought me some of her literature. And uh, in reading the Ten Commandments, this one was left out. Thy shall not make unto thee any graven image. Because their religion is full of graven images. And the last two are really the same commandment. Thy shall not covet thy neighbor's house. Thy shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's the same commandment. Or anything that is thy neighbor's. Well, you know, the, uh, you know, the thing that puzzles me is how the millions can't see through that. That they're being deceived. But anyway, that's where you're introduced to the fact that God is a jealous God. And uh, he wants us to worship him and him only. Now also in Exodus 34, and let's turn there and just look at a, a few verses there in Exodus 34. Exodus 34. If I can find it here. Exodus 34 and, uh, and verse number 12. He said, Take heed to thyself, lest I make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, notice here, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now it tells us that the very name of God, one of the names of God is jealous. Now the fact that that's his name, that reveals the character of God. Uh, that, uh, that God is jealous. And therefore is a jealous God. His name is jealous. He said, lest I make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thy eat of his sacrifice. Thy take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. Thy shalt make, not make, thy shalt make thee no molten gods. Now, the Lord gives the reasons behind it. He said, I'm jealous, my name is jealous, and I don't want you making covenants with these bunch of heathens because they will lead you away from me. And I've seen that happen many times as people have been led uh, away from God and uh, away from worshiping the Lord. And so God is jealous. In Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And uh, he judges, of course. He's a consuming fire. And then in Joshua 24, 19, For he is an holy God, and therefore he is a jealous God. God is holy, and being holy, he's jealous over that that belongs to him. Now because of his holiness, 
If God was like us, it'd be different. But he's not. He's holy. And then in Ezekiel 39, 25, he said he would be jealous for my holy name. Because of the honor of his name, then he is jealous. In Joel 2, 18, then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. And I want to say the day America turns against Israel and divides the land of Israel is the day that they invite the judgment of God upon a nation. And he says there that he is jealous for his land. Who does the land of Palestine belong to? It belongs to God. A lot of discussion about who it belongs to. It belongs to the Lord. And God gave it to the seed of Abraham. And then in Zechariah 1.14, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a very great jealousy. Do you realize that's where the final battle scene is going to be set in that area? In the valley of Megiddo there, the battle of Armageddon will be fought in that land, in the land of Israel. And uh, there Jerusalem, he, God said, I'm jealous over it with a very great jealousy. And when the Antichrist moves in there and the image of Antichrist is set up in the temple and everybody's required to take the mark, I'm going to tell you that God's jealousy is going to burn and the Lord's going to come down and destroy Antichrist and his armies. Because he's a jealous God. God's jealous. Then uh, not only is that creator jealous, but... We find the story of Elijah there in, in 1 Kings 19. If you'd like to look there, uh, a familiar story. But Elijah is jealous over his country and over the condition of his nation. And of course, you know, uh, the, the uh, chapters preceding chapter 19 in 1 Kings, uh, Elijah was God's prophet. And Elijah had... Uh, uh, prophesied about the drought that would come for uh, the three and a half years, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months there, James tells us. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. You know the story of the great confrontation with the prophets of Baal, and how they built their altar and prayed to Baal, and Baal doesn't hear, and Elijah repairs the altar of God, the fire of God comes, come, consumes the sacrifice and, and the altar and all that. And uh, the prophets of Baal are killed. And Jezebel sends word to Elijah, I'll get you. And Elijah was not scared of all those prophets, but one woman, one heathen woman, uh, caused him to turn his back and run. And so... He ends up over there in the cave and uh, the Lord begins to talk to him and in verse 9 he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy orders, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. 
and may seek my life to take it away. Well, he is kind of on a pity party. And uh, the Lord tells him to go forth and stand there in the mountain. There comes a great strong wind and breaks the rocks and so forth. And, and, but he said the Lord's not in the wind, verse 11. Then there was an earthquake. The Lord's not in the earthquake. After earthquake, a fire. The Lord is not in the fire. And after a fire, the still small voice. You know, God manifests himself in different ways, doesn't he? Sometimes God manifests himself in, in great reality as we last Sunday experienced the visitation of God. Then there are other, other times that God manifests himself in a different way. And uh, it doesn't mean God's not around. But the Lord there again asks Elijah the question in verse 13, What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous. For the Lord God of hosts, I'm jealous for you, Lord. Children of Israel, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He said, Lord, I'm jealous for your sake over the condition of my country. And I want to tell you tonight that we ought to be jealous over the moral decline of America. And we ought to be jealous for God and say, Lord, I'm jealous for you. The way this country has turned their back on you and the way we've forsaken the laws of God and the way that our country has lived, I'm jealous. And that's what Elijah is talking about. Lord, I'm jealous. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Elijah's... Uh, uh, I guess you could use the terms, they say sometimes preachers get burned out. I guess that happens. And uh, uh, so God, uh, God just takes him on home, you know. And he anoints Elijah and, and so forth in his room. But uh, he's concerned. Now this, this is, uh, we're talking about a godly jealousy. We're talking about a jealousy uh, that the Lord has and, and uh, a right kind of jealousy. Uh, and jealous about our country and about the wickedness of our land. It ought to concern us, you know. I was talking to someone uh, today about, uh, you know, it's my understanding that, uh, that you can't even get your ears pierced. A girl, young girl in school, in fact, it was a lunch, that's talking about piercing ears, and, and uh, uh, you cannot even get your ears pierced. Uh, as I understand, young girl cannot, in, in the public school, without uh, the parental permission. But they can have an abortion and parents not know it. Now I'll tell you, there's something bad wrong. There's something wrong with the nation. There's something wrong with the laws. There's something wrong with people who make that kind of laws. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Congress, they're, they're battling with welfare and battling with a budget and battling with all these things. But I want to tell you something. The main concern we ought to have is, is the, the morality of our country. And I believe if this nation to get back to God and, and make things right with God and repent of their sin and get rid of some, uh, some of this stuff like that that's going on, I believe God would make a way for the other things. But I don't think there's an answer. I don't think there's an answer to the other problems as long as we defy the God of heaven and continue killing babies. 
for no reason. And uh, Elijah was concerned about his nation. And then here Paul is concerned about, uh, about his, uh, his converts. He said, I've espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Uh, you know, that ought to certainly be the desire of every young lady to be able to do that in the physical realm. But he's uh, talking about the spiritual realm here. And he said, I fear like the serpent beguile Eve, your mind should be corrupted. He was concerned that they be led astray by false doctrine. You know, I've seen, uh, I've seen young converts, and uh, they make a profession and follow the Lord in baptism, and then they get corrupted. Corrupted maybe by false doctrine, corrupted by sin, and that bothers me. I'm jealous over it. And I think that's the right kind of jealousy. And Paul, Paul was jealous. He said, I don't want the devil to have you. I don't want the false teachers to get their hands on you. Several years ago, we were out witnessing. And, uh, this lady got saved. Some of her relatives were in the Church of Christ, so-called. They began to talk to her and said, well, that's not enough. I mean, the fact that you prayed and repented before God and asked God to save you, that's not enough. You've got to be baptized. And they went and they confused that lady and went in the middle of the night, I understand, uh, you know, and, and baptized her to wash away her sins. Now, that bothered me. It bothered Paul. And, and it ought to bother, and I think that sometimes, I think we fail. I know I have failed, and I think uh, others have failed. And the fact, in the Great Commission, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even in the world. Air work's not done when we win them to Christ and get them baptized. I mean, we're to teach them and, and try to get them grounded in the truth of God lest they be corrupted and led astray. Now, we ought to have that, right kind, of, that kind of jealousy. And I'll tell you, it bothers me. We have folks that used to come faithful to this church and, I mean, they come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And they're not going anywhere now. I'm jealous. And I don't like the devil doing that to them. And uh, so there's, there's a godly jealousy. And then I'd like to talk about the godless, godless jealousy. And this is the wrong kind of jealousy. And it's cruel. The Bible says in Song of Solomon 7 and verse 6, Love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals the robber, coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. And in Proverbs 6, 34, he said, For jealousy is the rage of a man. Now he talks about jealousy being cruel. Now there's an unfounded jealousy. You know, some husbands are, uh, are very jealous. Some wives are very jealous. And I've seen homes destroyed because of an unfounded jealousy. 
I think they're, I think they're to a degree, they're, there's the right kind of jealousy. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if a man loves his wife, he, uh, he don't want someone else loving her. Huh. And uh, uh, that's normal. I, I would think that'd be normal and vice versa. But again, there is that point that it becomes cruel and that point that it becomes wrong. There's a, 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 a very unusual illustration of this in the book of Numbers 5. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into that, but you can read it. And uh, back on the law of Moses, there was the law of jealousy. And it, 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 was, it was given there for someone that committed immorality and nobody knew it. It was hid. And the spirit of jealousy would come upon the husband. And so uh, he would go there to the priest about it and they'd bring the woman and they'd take this water from the laver, if I, if I remember the story right, and they'd get some of the dust to the floor of the tabernacle and they'd put it in that, uh, uh, in that uh, water and uh, uh, he would write the words of the oath there and, and so forth and, and you can read the details of the story. But anyway, uh, the woman drank the water. If she was innocent... It had no effect upon her. If she was guilty, her belly would swell and her thigh would rot and the judgment of God would fall upon her. Don't you know that that, uh, uh, you know, uh, probably in most cases, if a person is guilty, they probably admitted it before they ever drank the water, I, I would assume. And... Uh, uh, if a person, uh, you know, we're not given any details about that being used other than that story there uh, and the, the law of God commanding its use and probably if a woman was willing to do it without hesitation, they may have said, well, you know, we declare her innocent uh, because she's certainly willing to do it. Whether they went ahead and drank it or not, we don't know. But that was the law. And uh, God had a way. And there, people say, oh, I don't believe in all this fear preaching. I'll tell you, that put the fear of God in you. And I'll tell you, I believe one reason we've got so much immorality today is because there's not much fear preaching going on. Not much preaching about sin anymore. And the judgment of God. I'll tell you, those old-fashioned preachers, when they got through preaching, you went home, you was afraid to go to sleep. If you was lost, I was. And he, they put the fear of God in you and they preached hell hot and heaven sweet. But I'll tell you, if you as a sinner, you got in a conviction. And we need that today. But anyway, jealousy can be cruel. Uh, there is an unfounded jealousy. And I realize we're not under the law of Moses. I just simply gave that in way of illustration. But uh, uh, it can be a, a cruel thing and it can destroy homes if it's unfounded. But may I hasten to say that... Uh, that godly women and godly men should not give reasons for jealousy to arise un unnaturally. Uh, we ought to conduct ourselves in such a way and live in such a way that, that there's no question mark. Avoid the uh, very appearance of evil. That there's no question mark. You know, uh, people tell me in, in the factories and all where people work, 
these, these are things, they, they say why, why some, some of the women are worse than the men. And I'm not against women tonight. Uh, you know, I'm just against the evil. But isn't that sad? I mean, I mean, isn't that tragic that we've come to such a day as that? that uh, certainly we ought to conduct ourselves. But anyway, it can be cruel. Not only that, it can be contentious. This wrong kind. And we have the story in Numbers chapter 12 there of Miriam and Aaron, who were brother and sister of Moses. And they speak against Moses because he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, I want to straighten out right now that Moses did not marry a black woman. I don't care what anyone says. And what you've heard, nobody can prove that. And, and I think if you study it out, that, uh, that it's clear that, that they were speaking, you know, uh, that the wife that Moses had, uh, Zipporah, is that her name? I just don't have it down, I'm just trying to remember. I believe that was her name. I believe if you study it out, that, that that's who, is ta- who they're talking about. They're not talking about uh, some other marriage or whatever. But anyway, that's, beside, that's not the point I want to make. And really, that's not the reason for the murmuring anyway. They were just using that as an excuse. Because in verse 2, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. God is listening. Sometimes we don't realize that God's listening to it all. Isn't that something? And I've got to ultimately face God one day, and he hears it all. And the Lord heard it. They said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? It was jealousy was the problem. There's jealous over Moses. They said, Well, who's he think he is? Aaron especially, you know, he was the priest, and, and Miriam there, of course, she was used of God, and and had a place in the work of God, service of the Lord. Uh, but they were jealous over Moses and the position that God had put him in. And the Bible said Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Moses was the kind of man, a great a man as he was, he would not defend himself, really. And I think God said, I'll defend him. I'm, I'm not giving exact reading there, but... He asked God not to, not to do that to her. After all, it's his sister. And the Lord said, why, uh, even if, if they'd spit in their face, you know, they'd be shut out for so many days. And uh, so she's shut out from the camp, and then God heals her. But the reason was jealousy. Then you come on over in chapter 16 of Numbers, and you have a fellow by the name of Korah, He gathers about 250 fellows. They were famous, the Bible said, and men of renown. And in verse 3, it says, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Who do you think you are? They rise up against Moses and Aaron. We're just as holy as you are. And the reason, the thing that caused it was jealousy. The old jealousy came in there. And it caused contention. 
You say, well, jealousy is not a too, big, too big a thing, isn't it? God said, I'll make a new thing. And the earth opened up and swallowed them into hell alive. Pretty serious sin, wasn't it? And in reality, in reality, they were not rising up against Moses and Aaron. They were rising up against God. Because the only reason Moses and Aaron was in the position they were in was because God had put them in that position. Not because they had chose that. In fact, Moses didn't want to do it. You remember there? He was reluctant. He didn't want the job. And God gave him the job and raised him up and put him in it. And uh, they rose up against him. And God had to judge him. Then we have, not only is it contentious, but it's also uh, can be covetous, you know, uh, which is one of the Ten Commandments. And I want you to turn to Luke 15 as we look at this final illustration here. Uh, a very, very familiar story about the prodigal son. And I've preached about the prodigal son and other preachers have preached about the prodigal son and what a blessed story it is and uh, how wonderful and how we rejoice in it. But, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, we don't think about this brother. And... As bad as the prodigal son was and as sorry as he was and he wasted his father's substance with riotous living, devoured his father's living with harlots and, and not much could be said good about this rascal. I mean, he was a pretty sorry fellow. But in a lot of ways, he is a better fellow than his brother. Amen. His brother stayed home and he is, he is, you know, he didn't do those things evidently not told, maybe slipped around on him, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, he, had, he had a problem with jealousy. And let's read about it. Of course, they, the son comes home and they kill the fatty calf, put their robe on him and all that. And in verse 25, now his elder son was in the field, talking about the father's son, his brother there, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Now he's out there working. Kind of reminds me of the story of Martha and Mary there, you know, and uh, the jealousy. Another illustration could have used. And, and uh, you know, one's in there cooking, doing all the work, and, and uh, one's over at Jesus' feet. Uh, she gets kind of jealous, says, you know, why, uh, you know, I mean, I'm doing all the work, and she's over there sitting around doing nothing. Basically, that's what she's saying. Command her to help me. And the Lord says she's chosen the good part. And anyway, not that the other isn't important, but uh, he comes and he, and he hears the music and the dancing. I don't know what kind of dancing it was. Not the kind that the world does, I'm sure. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed a fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, would not go in, pouted. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He wasn't glad to see his brother. That old sin of jealousy begins to rise up. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I, make, make, that I might make merry with my friends. And this is what he says, verse 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with the harlots, thy has killed for him the fatted calf. 
He don't say, as soon as my brothers come. Because they tell, they tell him there in, uh, uh, in verse 27, the servants there say, thy brother is come. He, he says there in verse 30, but as soon as this thy son was come. Not my brother. This sorry excuse you've got for a son. I mean, he, he wasn't even willing to even recognize him as his own brother. He's so full of jealousy. You never killed a fatty calf for me. I never done all he's done. He's been out there, blowed your money, and wasted it all, and comes back with nothing and wanting a handout. And I can just hear it. Here I've worked all these years. He's been out there fooling around in sin. And you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can get that, we can let that jealousy rise up in us. Somebody backslide on God and fall into sin, get away from God, and they come back in, repent, and get right with God, and uh, the Lord forgives them, and the church welcomes them back in. And if we're not careful, sometimes that old, that old rage, that old sin of jealousy arise up, and we get a little jealous of it. And that's what happened to him. Your son, your sons, come back. This sorry sons come back, come back uh, home, and you've killed the fatted calf, and and uh, thy hast who devoured the living with harlots, thy hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. He said, It's all yours. What do you, you know, it, it, it all belongs to you. And he said, It was meet that we should be merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He says, Yes, it's right that we rejoice. And he goes on, he says there, uh, This thy brother was dead. You may not think called him your brother, but he is. <laughs> I don't care what he's done, he's still your brother. And there's many great truths can, can be drawn from that, you know. Sometimes we dishonor God, and I know I have, and I've mistreated and misrepresented him, and I've hurt the Lord, but he's never disowned me. I'm still his child. And he said, he's still your brother. <laughs> and we thought he's dead. As far as all practical purpose, he was dead, dead spiritually, certainly. And, of course, it can be used, I've used it as far as the sinner. I, I think the primary interpretation is probably to the person that's got away from the foe and backsitting on the Lord, if you want to use that term. But, uh, you know, you know why he was jealous? Because he was covetous. It arose out of that. So, there can be the wrong kind of jealousy in homes, uh, and uh, in relations with others. And then there can be the right kind, and I hope we'll, we'll have the right kind of jealousy. And uh, I've been reminded of this week, this week of, of that kind, the, uh, the, the right kind, the kind that Paul writes about here in, in Corinthians, about uh, uh, this godly jealousy. I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. I've espoused you to one husband. He said, I, I don't want you being misled and misinstructed.
God help us to have the right kind and not have the wrong kind. The wrong kind will destroy. Destroy homes, destroy fellowship, and, and so forth. Let's bow our heads, please.